The hour to which the podcast adjourned having arrived, the podcast is now in order. Let's gavel in for this week's State House Takeout with the reporters on top of Beacon Hill at the State House News Service. Here's Sam Doran. Welcome back to another week of the State House Takeout with your bite-sized takeaways of state government and public policy news here in Massachusetts. With hey, Matt Matt Murphy is back for one thing. Welcome back, Matt. I'm back. Thanks. Matt's back. I'm back. Matt Murphy, Colin Young, Katie Lannon, and Chris Lasinski. Hi, folks. Matt's back. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone Did you else? Hear that Matt is back. Matt is back. Wait a second. Is Matt back? On Beacon Hill. Here he is. <laughs> Um, how, how are things, uh, how are things going, Matt? Things are going great. I don't know if, if people know, but there is a new small human being living in my house, keeping me up at night, but I am, uh, back to work this week and happy about it. And I'm getting a little bit of sleep. So if I sound a little tired on the phone, take it easy on me. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, one of the big stories this week, uh, I, I thought was highlighted by something that Colin noticed as he was walking down the sidewalk earlier. And, uh, yeah, you, you, Colin, um, <laughs> You, you noted that uh, once you actually stop to think about it and stop to look around, the number of clouds of uh, vape uh, fog that were emanating from people, <laughs> uh, vapor, on, uh, on Beacon Street was quite remarkable. And sure enough... <laughs> It really is hiding in plain sight. I mean, it's it's become such a commonplace thing so rapidly, but once you actually start looking for it, you realize just how many people are doing it. And it's been all over the, the national and the state news this week for a number of reasons. Um, we'll, we'll get to uh, your uh, trip through the CCC, the uh, marijuana board, in, in just a bit. But um, uh, Katie, you were covering the intersection of uh, state and uh, national health concern over uh, vaping this week. Uh, and, and there is sort of a, a paucity of medical information about this relatively new form of nicotine ingestion, but that's why state uh, public health officials are really trying to learn mo- as, as more, as much as they can, as fast as they can. Um, what, uh, what did Monica Burrell, our public health commissioner, have to say this week? Yeah, that's, that's right, Sam. And I think we've all seen the, the kind of national headlines about the outbreak nationally, multi-state outbreak of this kind of unexplained vaping-related lung illness. There's been over 450 cases reported, and and none of those have been in Massachusetts yet. But uh, state public health officials kind of have been advising for for doctors and other healthcare providers to watch out, to be aware, to look out for this. And uh, Commissioner Burrell took this a a step further this week and and mandated that all, all cases be of this potential vaping-related lung illness, um, if detected, be immediately reported to the to the Department of Public Health, so they can track it, so they can get a sense of the prevalence in in Massachusetts, and report to the Centers for D- Disease Control, who are doing a, a national big picture investigation. Yeah, and uh, the Public Health Department said that um, Monica Burrell's um, action here was uh, what did they say? Not rare, but also not routine. Um, when has this kind of situation popped up before? Yeah, it really isn't that commonplace at all. The uh, the last time that the commissioner did this kind of action, adding something to the list of reportable illnesses was about two years ago. Um, and that had to do with cases of amnesia associated with intravenous drug use, which is not something I remember hearing about two years ago, but is certainly alarming. 
Yeah, I should say so. Now, as far as state house implications of uh, this whole vaping um, phenomenon, the uh, governor and the Senate were both on board earlier uh, this session with extending the uh, tobacco tax to vaping products, which uh, hasn't come to pass. Is is there any push with with all this recent vaping news? Is there any push to revive that? You know, I think that the um the the vaping tax is one of those things that's going to fall into the bucket of revenue questions to be explored at a later point this session um <laughs> something we'll be keeping our eye on when that debate does unfold the interesting thing is really the push here to ban flavors there's a bill that would ban flavored tobacco products and of course that kind of mirrors or at least parallels the step the uh, federal government took this week right. when uh, officials announced plans to take all flavored uh, vaping products off the market. Uh, Yeah, Colin? How do you think the uh, Beacon Hill Democrats feel that uh, President Trump sort of beat them to the punch on this one. Huh. This is something that Democrats have, or some Democrats on Beacon Hill have been have been trying to to get through the legislature. Um, it's it's been a big point, a, a big priority for Senator Keenan and right. Rep. Gregoire this right. session, uh, and you know the president who they all love to knock around uh, really beat him to the punch on on this one. Yeah, and, and he had some pretty strong words for uh, for vaping and for uh, flavored vapes and the effect that it has on pulling kids into the scenario right. uh, this week. Those kids coming home, you know, mom, mom, I want to vape. I want to vape. Exactly. Know, those innocent kids, he said. Exactly. And, exactly. and he noted, too, someone asked one of the reporters in the White House asked about the uh, how the how the vaping companies would does he feel this is treating him fairly? And the president pointed out that vaping has been a very profitable business and these companies have been making a a lot of money kind of very quickly on something that, as you noted earlier, Sam, is a pretty new technology. Right, but rapidly growing. And Colin, we were just re-watching earlier today the the No on 4 ad, the anti-legalization ad from uh, back a few years ago, which uh, M.A. Polly followers may be familiar with. Uh, The Kevin ad, as Kevin emerges from a marijuana shop uh, with a, a bag. And, and, and I, I was asking you, what was in that bag that Kevin was holding? And sure enough, it was a bong. But we think, hey, if that was an ad film today, he would have had a vape pen. A lot easier to hide from his mother, who pops up at the end of the ad, right? But anyways, vaping took center stage for a part of the Cannabis Control Commission's regulations discussion, updating uh, their statewide cannabis regulations. Uh, What did they decide to do with marijuana vapes in particular? Yeah, so this really stems out of the uh, national attention on vaping and the lung illnesses uh, thought to be associated with vaping. Uh, There are about 500 or just under 500 such cases across the country. Uh, And the CDC said that many patients uh, with these illnesses reported using uh, e-cigarettes or vapes with THC, the the psychoactive component of marijuana. Uh, So there's some thought that it might be these THC cartridges um, uh, making people sick. So what the CCC uh, decided to do this week was uh, newly require that vape cartridges sold at the licensed stores in Massachusetts be more specific in the ingredients that are uh, included within them. 
So the vape cartridges will now have to list the amount of any specific additives infused or incorporated during the manufacturing process. That includes thickening agents uh, and terpenes, which are these chemicals that uh, they exist naturally in marijuana, and it's what gives marijuana, gives different strains of marijuana their distinctive smells, the, you know, you can, how you can kind of smell one strain from another. Oh, yeah? It's because of the unique terpenes to that strain, but you can also create them in a lab. And a lot of these companies are adding these things to the oils in their vape cartridges for flavoring, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but there, like you mentioned earlier, there isn't really a lot known about uh, what the effects of those chemicals are when when they've been vaporized and, and inhaled into our lungs. Uh, so the CDC, uh, CCC, excuse me, wants to give consumers uh, more information about what it is that, that they're inhaling. Yeah, so those chemicals, are, are they almost like an artificial flavoring? Uh, yeah, sort of, they're sort of used that way. Um, they can be artificial, these terpenes. Like I said, you can grow them in a lab, yeah. but they do also um, occur naturally in, in, in marijuana. Um, so sometimes it's the natural kind that's added. Sometimes it's the syn- synthetic kind. And then there are all kinds of other additives, flavorings, preservatives. Um, I know we all kind of had a, a good laugh about it a few months ago at a, a vaping uh, presentation where a doctor showed a sort of clip art presentation of a, a mango-flavored jewel pod and said, you know, mango is, is safe. It's food. It's food safe. It's supposed to go in the stomach, not in the lungs. <laughs> but that's really uh, what, they're, what they're talking about here. So a lot of these chemicals in vape cartridges are declared food safe, but we don't necessarily know that that means vape safe. Is that lung safe? Is exactly. That safe what happens when you, uh, when you vaporize yeah. this and then uh, put it in your lungs and it reconstitutes in there? Gosh, yeah, when you put it that way. And briefly, Colin, a a couple of other interesting topics came up during that regulations discussion. Um, And the CCC had a couple of votes related to uh, body cameras worn by marijuana home delivery uh, personnel, as well as um, a social consumption site uh, pilot program. uh, Fill us in just quickly on some of this latest pot news. Yeah, so this week the CCC went through its uh, newly rewritten regulations, kind of making any last-minute changes or tweaks to them. Uh, And those are the two big ones, social consumption and home delivery. Both will be allowed under the new regulations. Uh, Home delivery uh, is allowed now in the medical side of the market. It will be allowed for recreational consumers as well. But like you mentioned, the drivers will be required to wear body cameras and uh, videotape every transaction. There was a lot of concern about that uh, at the public hearings that the CCC held on the regs. Uh, ultimately, drivers will have to wear body cameras. The footage of those transactions will be uh, maintained for some amount of time. That's one of the issues that the CCC was uh, working on tweaking Thursday. Um, and we expect that some at some point next week they'll uh, reconvene to take the final vote approving those new regulations. Cool. Thanks, Colin. And uh, thanks for pulling double duty this week, as uh, I think you were actually simultaneously covering the Gaming Commission and the Cannabis Commission. So, Two regulated industries at the same time. Hey, how about that? Uh, now, there's been more and more campaign news coming up every week. Uh, and uh, Matt, this week... Attorney General Maura Healey hopped on the campaign trail, the presidential campaign trail, which she's done before because she's from New Hampshire. So last go around, she went up there on behalf of uh, Hillary Clinton. Uh, This time around, she's going 
nationwide down to Texas for Senator Liz Warren endorsing her this week. And she was down there for the debate last night, right? That's right. Maybe not a huge surprise that uh, Healy would endorse the home state senator and Senator Elizabeth Warren, but she had waited uh, until this week and on the eve, uh, or I guess I should say hours before uh, the debate uh, at Texas Southern University on Thursday night, Healy sent out an email to her uh, list of supporters uh, endorsing Warren. And uh, people close to Healy say that their relationship really dates back a lot longer than they were both sort of rock stars in the Massachusetts Democratic Party. Healy, uh, back when she was a chief of the Civil Rights Division in the Attorney General's office here, and Warren was a Harvard Law professor, and in the aftermath of the home foreclosure crisis, uh, the two of them worked together on some of the first lawsuits, uh, civil rights lawsuits, at least in the country, against banks for their lending practices that, w- that led to the foreclosure crisis. So their relationship goes back a long time. Now, her aides say that they speak regularly. They would not tell me if Healy entertained the idea of endorsing any of the other candidates, if she spoke to any of them or met with any of them uh, to talk about it. But uh, Healy did uh, throw her full support behind Warren and went down uh, to the debate and was there in the spin room uh, to talk up her uh, her candidate after the after the debate on Thursday night. Yeah, I mean, certainly it's not a given that every Massachusetts poll will line up behind Senator Warren. Uh, just this week, we saw Boston City Councilor uh, Andrea Campbell come out for uh, Senator Kamala Harris. Um, and uh, just thinking through uh, members of the state legislature, uh, uh, Senator Mike Rodrigues, uh, Ways and Means Chairman, uh, came out pretty early in support of Pete Buttigieg. Yeah, pretty early in, in favor of Mayor Pete. And you're right, uh, Boston City Councilor, I- I- City Council President, I should say, Andrea Campbell, backing mm-hmm. uh, Kamala Harris this week. Uh, she's, of course, the first African-American woman to lead the Boston City Council and, and, and siding with Harris in that race. Uh, we've also seen, you know, uh, Boston Mayor Marty Walsh kind of on the fence. He's a, a longtime friend and supporter of Joe Biden's. Uh, Warren, uh, according to the most recent polling, ru- polling running neck and neck in her home state with Biden in Massachusetts. So uh, perhaps someone like Healy could help uh, push her over the top because uh, while everyone's focused on New Hampshire and certainly Healy as a native of New Hampshire will be up, uh, is expected to be up in the Granite State campaigning this fall, uh, she could also be useful to the senator here uh, when Massachusetts voters vote on Super Tuesday. Yeah, you mentioned that poll that shows uh, Warren and uh, Biden in a, in a dead heat. Um, what's the latest with uh, polling on Ed Markey and Joe Kennedy? Yeah, sure. Well, the polling there uh, that we've seen so far, uh, including that recent Boston Globe Suffolk University poll showing Kennedy with a s- pretty sizable advantage over uh, Markey if they, he were to get into the race today. But uh, we've seen Markey, especially heading into the Democratic uh, state Democratic Party convention in Springfield this weekend, trying to solidify support. Uh, just a few minutes before we came down here, uh, Markey sent out a video of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, uh, you know, the, the New York congresswoman endorsing Markey. The two of them teamed up uh, famously to, to sponsor the Green New Deal. And uh, presumably this is intended by Markey's camp to kind of blunt that generational change argument that Kennedy could make should he get into the race. Now, Markey will be speaking to Democrats in Springfield this week at the convention. Kennedy uh, will not be attending the speaking portion of the convention, though uh, he has office hours in Medfield on Saturday, and he's expected to make his way out there. He's, he's taking part in a panel discussion, and uh, his camp tells me that he's expected to kind of do some some meet and greets, and he'll get around shaking hands, but he'll probably be doing some temperature taking out there, even if we've, we've seen some national Democrats 
uh, a big story in Politico about this actually where people like West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin saying that Joe should wait uh, and other Democrats kind of rallying behind uh, the incumbent and Markey. So uh, a lot of pressure being put uh, maybe behind or, or on Kennedy to think twice about jumping into this race, uh, even if uh, people initially thought maybe uh, Kennedy was trying to force Markey out. Yeah, and I, I don't remember the exact quote, but um, uh, Kennedy, when he acknowledged he was thinking this run over, uh, had some quote to the effect of he didn't want to wait. Um, but as you say, that, that might be just what he, what he has to end up doing. Um, yeah, we don't know. I mean, all signs, you know, if, if you're reading the tea leaves, it looks an awful lot like Kennedy is getting ready to get into this race. Uh, it, it, would be, it would be very interesting to see him kind of take a step back after all this buildup behind a campaign. But obviously that's still possible and uh, probably what Markey is hoping to accomplish by rolling out all of these endorsements, including AOC and... Environment uh, Massachusetts today too. Environment yeah. Mass, a lot of the unions. So, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see. I think we're expecting that decision from, from Kennedy in the next week or two. Yeah, fascinating to watch. Well, as we look ahead to next year's elections, um, here's, here's an interesting thing. Chris, uh, you wrote this week about a proposal to kind of take the, take the party, uh, so to speak, out of... Take the party out of the party. The party out of the party. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's Matt's back. Matt's back. Matt's back. Well, it would be kind of replacing the traditional um, party line uh, uh, primary with almost a non-partisan preliminary. Yeah, there's a, a couple of different terms out there for what this would look like. Uh, nonpartisan open primary is one. We've heard this called a jungle primary, though I don't think that's exactly the best term for this. <laughs> um, uh, what I like is just calling it the California system. This is what's in place in California, where huh. all of the candidates, regardless of what political party they're registered with, go onto a single primary ballot, and whoever finishes in the top two go on to the general election. The California system. All right. And if I'm not mistaken, I think we use the Australian ballot here in, in America. But that's just a side note. Um, <laughs> the secret ballot, the, writ, uh, the, the written secret ballot, I think, is the Australian ballot. But anyway, um, the, the most interesting thing about this story, Chris, is uh, that it's Secretary of State Bill Galvin, who it turns out was a big backer of this idea, which was sponsored for the ballot by... His brother. Yeah, so I, I was kind of at, just to peer behind the curtain a little bit, I was working on what was supposed to be a different story about ballot question initiatives that did not clear the Attorney General's constitutional review and basically got uh, ruled invalid to become ballot questions next year by Maura Healy. Was trying to get in touch with a Patrick Galvin, who was listed as the top sponsor, and out of the blue, I got a call from Secretary of State Bill Galvin, who told me that uh, his brother was the lead sponsor on this, but that he encouraged the effort and that this is a change that he, as the state's top elections official, uh, himself supports. Hmm. So why didn't this question uh, get certified by the ballot by um, Attorney General Healy? Like all of the ballot question initiatives, Healy's office stressed that this has nothing to do with whether she supports or opposes an individual idea. The first big step in the process is she has to look at all of these, check the requirements laid out in the state constitution for ballot initiatives, and make sure that they're valid and pass muster under those standards. 
Interestingly, the actual change to the primary system itself seems like it would fly. Healy said that if the proposal was limited just to this new primary system, it probably would not have run afoul of constitutional standards. Where it ran into trouble was that a second section in the same initiative called for adoption of early voting in primary elections. And in Healy's opinion, that was commingling two topics that were too different to count as one unified ballot question. Chris, isn't that basically why the Supreme Judicial Court uh, struck down the millionaire surtax last time that was headed to the ballot? That's right. Yeah, that was uh, another instance of improper commingling of topics. Commingling. Um, interestingly, this is Healy now flagging it when she didn't flag that as a problem on the uh, millionaire's tax question. Yeah, and uh, Bill Galvin told you that he was interested in the issue of consistency on certification versus non-certification by the attorney general's office and that he's watching a court case dealing with a separate rejected question. Right. He's not planning at this point to file a case himself, file an appeal with the SJC. Uh, There is another ballot question that relates to uh, creating a legislative commission to explore the effects of technology and some of the risks to government and public rights that technological changes might pose. That was another thing that Healy ruled was just too many things crammed into one topic to be an actual (laughs) unified ballot question. Uh, The sponsor of that has filed an appeal with the SJC. We'll see where that goes. And so too will Bill Galvin, who uh, I suppose is hoping that there's some kind of precedent in whatever that ruling is that might give some more support to uh, to his effort here. Can we just note also that the uh, state's chief election overseer apparently thinks that our state election system is pretty bunk. He's now supporting both this so-called jungle primary. He's supported ranked choice voting, which would completely upend the electoral process in a totally different sort of way. And which is worth noting very quickly uh, is the subject of another ballot question that Healy said can go to the next step and might come before us in November 2020. Oh, right. That's a good point. That's all. That's all. <laughs> and it's the California system, by the way, not a not a jungle primary. Jungle. Jungle primary. Matt's back. If if uh, if anyone out there listening does have new and better suggestions for what we can call the <laughs> California jungle blanket system, um, we're open to them. Yeah, tweet them at State House News with an Australian ballot. <laughs> I actually like jungle blanket primary. <laughs> jungle blanket primary. Yeah, it's yeah. Like maybe like kind of cozy, soothing. I think that kind of co-mingles the terms. Yeah. Mm. Like a nice leopard print throw. <laughs> Uh, just a few odds and ends as we wrap up this week, uh, pack up our takeout box and, and look ahead to next week. Um, we should note that today, uh, the 13th of September, is the one-year anniversary of the Merrimack Valley natural gas explosions up there in Lawrence, Andover, and North Andover. And Matt, we got a bit of news this week um, on inspections of some of the lines that were abandoned back a year ago, uh, last fall. Um, what's uh, what's Columbia Gas doing up there this fall? Yeah, I would assume Columbia Gas probably would have liked to, uh, if not celebrate, at least ring in this anniversary by highlighting the work that they've done to restore gas and power up in the Merrimack Valley. But instead, uh, we had a, a letter from the DPU uh, to Columbia Gas after Columbia Gas raised some concerns with some work it was doing on some abandoned service lines. Uh, that they were now going to embark upon an inspection of some 700 abandoned service lines. Uh, These are the pipes that connect uh, from the main gas lines to homes or businesses, and they were kind of cut off from the main system after the explosions and fires. 
from the incident last September, uh, but they apparently have perhaps not been capped or sealed off uh, appropriately. And so now Columbia Gas is going around. They've, they're starting this week. Uh, they're hoping to uh, finish this fall, perhaps by November. And they're going to inspect all of these lines to make sure that they are uh, safely uh, kind of put away underground and, and capped off. And they had to apologize uh, on uh, September 12th, on Wednesday, a day before this anniversary, for uh, putting some of these customers through yet another inconvenience as they're trying to schedule these appointments for work. But uh, DPU said in their letter that they are concerned about the safety of these, even though they are not connected to live gas lines. So uh, this is another uh, big gas project underway as we look back on uh, on that uh, tragic uh, incident uh, a year ago. And Colin, as we look ahead to next Wednesday, we get a confirmation hearing with, uh, well, with Governor's Counselor Jenny Casey. It's the rest of the counselors interviewing one of their own because the long-rumored nomination uh, finally came for a clerk magistrate post, right? Uh, The governor's council, as we all know, loves to um, uh, go back and forth between themselves, and that's really what Wednesday's hearing is going to be all about. It's uh, just going to be the eight governor's counselors, uh, with one of them, Jenny Casey, a Republican from Oxford, uh, sitting there as the governor's nominee for the clerk magistrate job in the Dudley District Court. And she's the only Republican on the council, right? Yeah, that's right. She's the only Republican uh, of the eight. Right. Um, As far as how the seat gets filled, you dug into the state constitution just to check it out this week, and it's kind of interesting. Yeah. uh, The way that a vacancy on the governor's council is supposed to be filled is by concurrent votes of the House and Senate. Uh, so the the two branches of the legislature would have to agree on a person to fill uh, the rest of Jenny Casey's term, which would be a little more than a year. Yeah, so the House would have to elect someone and the Senate would have to elect the same individual exactly. in a, a separate vote. Um, and I think uh, I dug back into the Globe and Herald archives just to check out when the last time was that happened because we couldn't remember. And it seems it was back in the 80s, I think 83. Yeah, I had forgotten about that one. Yeah, but. But, yeah, yeah slipped, slipped your mind. <laughs> How old are you? But um, the, uh, the House and Senate couldn't agree that year on a name. And so I, I think it just stayed vacant until Chris Ionella won the seat the next election. He still holds it. I, think he, I think he was elected out for maybe one term, but he, he still holds it. Yeah, it must dean. have been a hell of a conference committee. <laughs> Must have been. And more recently than even that, I think it was probably about seven years ago when Councillor Kelly Timothy died uh, while she was in office. And uh, the legislature at that point uh, took a pass, if I recall correctly. I, I don't even think they tried uh, to fill that seat. And they, they left that open until the next election when uh, current Councillor Robert Jubinville uh, secured it. Well, just to quickly close out uh, this week's takeout, um, uh, we saw this week the close of a, a long and tumultuous story that started uh, back in the fall of 2017. Uh, and and Katie, that that story that, that rocked uh, not only the Senate side of the building, but really the waves were felt through, um, through all corners and affected the ability of the building to get things done for a while. Um, it's, it's, it's finally over, huh? Yeah, and um, that's uh, the Brian Hefner uh, case that Sam's referring to there, and that's for for something that did really affect and upend so many people's lives over the course of such a long period of time. And, you know, for the the victims in that case, certainly still uh, affects being felt there. The end it came to was a kind of a whirlwind one with... um, 
a, a plea agreement reached on the the day before the trial, um, and that does mean that this this sexual assault case is resolved without a trial. And I know that you know, in in an alternate universe, we could be here on a couple days into the jury selection process there. And I know that a lot of people on Beacon Hill had been curious about what might come out and come to light about the the inner workings of the the Stan Rosenberg presidency and the dynamics in the Senate during that trial had it had it occurred. All right. Well, thanks, folks. And uh, we'll see you right back here next week with Matt Murphy and everybody else. (laughs) I'm back. (laughs) (laughs) Have a good weekend. Statehouse Takeout is a production of the Statehouse News Service. And for a daily fix of Statehouse headlines, visit masterlist.com. Masterlist with two S's. Thanks again for listening. See you next week.